Hello, all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast, taped on Twitch and brought to you on YouTube, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Haven't watched nearly as much wrestling, but but I do know this. The moment we have all been waiting for is finally fucking upon us. We are here. We are really doing this. And I, for one, feel a sense of enlightenment adjust around the corner. Oh, brother. <laughs> a great cosmic question, Austin, is about to be asked and answered. You, oh, do you, you, you understand what? this. The cosmic question of what's the most ridiculous thing we can have a wrestling match about? The cosmic question, my friend, of the full extent to which you can settle things within the ring. Yes, uh, because we are on the start of a special six-episode journey this time, so call us back in, like, November when we finish it. Oh, uh, my God. As we begin the arc of Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio for the custody of Dominic. Yes! The story itself is played as a bit of a mystery, but I don't feel it worthwhile at this point to, you know, try to keep the secret. Everybody knows, every, kind of everyone kind of knows about this one, and I'd rather laugh at it from the start. And, and you know, the these days, considering Dominic Mysterio is tag teaming half the time with his dad Rey Mysterio on Smackdown it's it, you know it's a little it's a little uh, mm, mm, I I wonder what a I wonder time what the to answer bring it up. is <laughs> exactly so tonight was a bit of a schedule change for us last second we uh I am recording out of my another hotel room and as such yeah, and because of that I did not have time to uh acquire the newest the next episodes for lucha underground mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh i decided this we're gonna do something we can do with on peacock uh so we're starting this arc i don't have a lot of things to say about it because i haven't really done any any i haven't watched any episodes from smackdown 2005 which is the setting of our story it's yeah our first arc on smackdown yeah i was gonna say i i only recently observed to you like oh shit all of our wwe wwf stuff has been on raw and we're like for the most part it's been a raw and now we're hey we're finally over on smackdown hey yeah not no intention that wasn't intentional on my part just kind of no, happened I... that way but yes this story takes place on smackdown it's 2005 we're in the middle of the brand split yes um, and i have a couple of things to say about that as it relates to this episode, but first I'm going to, let's talk about Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, because actually this is only the final chapter of a larger story arc with them that spans all the way back to February. And to be clear, we're starting in June. Oh shit. So this has been a months and months long story that just kind of got insane at the end. And we're skipping to the part that got nuts. Yeah. <laughs> essentially in February at no way out, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio won the WWE tag team championships together. Oh shit. They were the tag champs going into WrestleMania, but instead of defending the titles at WrestleMania, instead, uh, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero mutually agreed to instead 
have a friendly competition against each other. So oh. the tag team just to see who's best, you know, have a have a have have a skirmish, an exhibition. Didn't and didn't, didn't Ray and, and Eddie like in kayfabe just have a insanely tumultuous friendship from start to finish? Well, well. they're friends now. Yeah, so, well, that 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 nothing could possibly go wrong. Possibly go wrong from you know they they've been they've been bitter enemies in the past. Why in the world would they ever you know be bitter enemies again? This friendship tenuous, never. Right. So they have the match at WrestleMania, and Rey Mysterio wins. And after and after the fact, Eddie is a little sour about it, but he does end up. <laughs> shaking ray's hand and the friendship continues over the coming months uh however eddie continues to grow distant with ray and it kind of culminates where he loses where ray and eddie lose the tag team championships to eminem i'll bring i'll talk more about them in a second Ah, uh different they yeah m n m okay okay uh, they lose the tag titles when Eddie abandons Ray as a partner. Oh. Is basically Eddie. Then Eddie begins a a a grudge against Ray Mysterio out of a sense of basically an inferiority complex. He he really can't let it go that Ray beat him, and it has completely deteriorated any sort of friendship or camaraderie that the two could have possibly had. Yeah. Okay. So. So. Wow. A shocker that that the little friendly exhibition match had a crazy fallout between these two guys with a very tumultuous history. Sure. I do. I do find it funny though that that like Eddie is so like it's so bridge burning over this, especially if it, this is going to directly lead into what we're here to talk about it does oh my god as this is all just part of a continual whole story bit here as eddie has only become more and more deranged and attempted to kind of destroy ray mysterio with a chair on a on a continual weekly basis he is with with, with a chair specifically yeah he's, he's he's big into chair attacks wasn't isn't that also like wasn't that also Chavo's thing on early Lucha Underground the big into chair attacks? Yes, it runs in the family. Can't trust a Guerrero. Damn, you know we we I we always get those chants that uh for for Eddie whenever someone does a frog splash. I think we also need to get a chance for Eddie just anytime someone gets hit with a chair, <laughs> just just really just just really send it up to the big guy on his his real signature move like. Frog splash, sure, anyone, but hitting hitting someone with a chair. Now there is a there mm-hmm. is a signature move for the ages that no one has ever made a thing out of ever anywhere else. Yeah. So <laughs> this episode of SmackDown is kind of the bridge point to this next arc of the episode. I don't want to say specifically how, so I'm not going to. I'm just going to phrase it like frame it like that. Is so is thus far. It has been a story of jealousy and resentment and two friends growing up, falling apart because one of them is an insecure dickhead. And this episode bridges to what storyline they will have going into SummerSlam 2005. 
where they fight for the custody of a child. <laughs> Again, look, Eddie's like, Eddie feels the need to prove himself better so hard that he's like, I am so superior that I am inherently the, 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 the natural choice for the father of the child that you fucking sired. I know they weren't, I know they weren't like, they probably weren't clear about whose child it was biologically, but it's very funny to me nonetheless that Eddie Guerrero, like, this is the hill that he wants to die on, and he's just taking it to, like, you know what? There's a kid that's kind of, like, between us. So, I, I'm i I'm the superior father. Like, the, the domino effect meme of, like, going from, like, friendly exhibition match to, I will father this child forcefully, and you will not fucking stop me. This poor, <laughs> this poor man, you know... You know, he and he and Vicky in kayfabe are just like they really were just like the 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 perfect the perfect amount of like absolutely unhinged for each other. Absolutely, they were hundred <laughs> percent, no doubt. Uh, so uh, let's talk about SmackDown in two thousand and five. Specifically, Ooh. this is about the brand split. Uh, for those of you who have not seen some of my our earlier episodes when I actually explained the concept. I will re- I will review it. Basically, uh, in after in the fallout of after uh, WCW and ECW went under, they did their whole invasion angle. Roddy, dotty, dotty, da. Uh, WWE as part as partly partly a way to kind of manage their now very large roster, and also to kind of artificially create the same kind of competitive you know, fire that was a big part of the Attitude Era and what made that so successful is they decided to take their two primetime shows, Raw and SmackDown, and completely split the rosters. Uh, They each had a different authority figure. They all had different title belts. They all, all the wrestlers were exclusive to one show or the other and kind of create this feeling of a rivalry and competition between these two shows it we saw a little bit of it in our last arc in our katie vick arc because a lot of eric bischoff's actions during that arc were explicitly motivated as a way to kind of one up stephanie mcmahon McMahon, who was running smackdown yeah yeah no that 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 rivalry is still utterly hysterical to me Mm -hmm. of the what great bedfellows Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon make for each other and just like I just love the fact that that they run they run we were talking about the fucking like WWE 2K GM mode before we started they run they run their companies as if they were playing like the fucking video game just making half their decisions out of complete spite it's so beautiful well I mean for like half a decade their video games now we brought that up their video game titles were called smackdown versus raw oh my god they from inspired 2000 them. from 2005 to 2011 their titles were that was the name that was the you know um uh video game title they're trying to make this a real rivalry Building a brand purely on spite may be the most on-brand WWE thing in all of WWE. Yeah. So the reason I kind of explain the brand split at this moment is because we are also in the middle of the draft. Uh, After the initial draft uh, in 2000 and... 
two. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to remember when the initial draft was. It's two, 2002. They would routinely, uh, usually on an annual basis, have a kind of a draft to simulate sports franchise drafting as kind of a way to mix up the roster. It's basically, you know, some wrestlers from SmackDown go to Raw, some from Raw go to SmackDown. Kind of a way to keep the rosters fresh and exciting, even uh, when you have yeah, already... fucking roster, just, just mixed up a little. Yeah. And so, the for some reason, and I couldn't tell you why they made this choice, most drafts are a one-week affair. Uh, sometimes one night, but usually it's like one episode of Raw and one episode of SmackDown is how they choose to do it. Yeah. Uh, this time what they decided to do in 2005 was break it up over the course of like three weeks and have a couple of draft picks on each episode of raw and smackdown okay why i don't know okay i yeah. i assume it's just you know i think it's it's it was the whole month of june so they probably saw it as like a way to gimmick up June and kind of try to get like a ratings bump all month as opposed to one week. Sure. I couldn't tell you how that well that worked or not. Wait, I have a dumb question about the draft as it normally runs. So so we get one episode of Raw and SmackDown each doing the draft, right? Sure. After Raw airs, isn't it pretty obvious who the fuck SmackDown is going to draft? Not I necessarily. Not. So I, I guess not. The entire the entire locker room doesn't become like quote unquote free agents, do they? No, it's and it's we do small. We, and we don't and we don't know who the free agent pool is, do we? Uh, in recent years, WWE has decided to kind of like publicize those pools as a way to justify like on e is just basically like what WWE tries to do now is they put out two draft pools, one for Monday and one for Friday, mm. so people don't answer the question of like, why the fuck did you draft Baron Corbin when you could have drafted Becky Lynch or insert some other specific yeah. scenario? As a way to dodge that question, they're like, some of the main event guys are on Monday, are only on Monday, available on Monday. Some are only available on Friday. Shut up. Okay. I, 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 I see how it is. So it's, it's, it's WWE trying to plot hole dodge. Okay. <laughs> That all dodging plot always, holes like live action well. Disney always goes well, never frantic and ill conceived. Yeah, so I suppose nowadays actually the draft is like fully redrafting the entire roster, but obviously, mathematically speaking, most of the roster is going to stay where they right where they are. But that's the idea. In, in this point in time, it was treated like a lottery system where you got like five picks and you could take whoever you wanted from Raw and SmackDown, but that's the it's only you only get five. So, oh, okay, sure. So I'm just going to run down some quick, uh, the results from raw and snap from the draft recently, because they will almost certainly bring it up on the show. Uh, the, with, on the June 6th episode of raw, uh, raw drafted John Cena, which is the kind of, which was a big coup of a moment because John Cena was at the time, the WWE champion. And, at this point in time, there was the World Heavyweight Champion on Raw and uh, the WWE Champion on SmackDown. And Raw drafted the John Cena to Raw. So SmackDown is without a World Champion as of the start of this episode. Also, wait, hold up. 
so one does WWE currently have the heavyweight championship in effect still? No, it got okay. folded. It got it got folded into the WWE championship in 2013. Yeah, okay. I've never understood the point of the heavyweight championship because it just feels like the WWE World Championship but not not. Yeah, it's basically what it is. It's there so that both brands could have a world champion. It's the exact same reason the Universal Championship existed for about 6 years. Yeah. Before Roman Reigns recently. Yeah, now we now we have the United Uwu Championship. The United Uwu Championship, yes. Acknowledge me. The Unite the Unified WWE Universal Champion, also it's called the so Uwu Championship. It's so good. I love the Uwu Championship. Yes. But uh, that's again, that's the gimmick. Is it's just another world title. So that both brands could have one. Okay, thank, thank you for the clarification. I've, I've been wondering about that for months. So John Cena went from SmackDown to Raw on on the June 9th SmackDown. Chris Benoit went from Smack Raw to SmackDown. It okay. seems, looking at it again, they only had one draft pick per show on this month-long draft. Uh, on June 13th Raw, Kurt Angle was drafted to Raw from SmackDown. And on June 16th on SmackDown, Randy Orton came from Raw to SmackDown. Ooh. And then on the June 20th episode of Monday Night Raw, Carlito was drafted back to Raw. He uh, he swapped spit with men who aren't cool, if you might remember. Oh, yeah, my boy! My boy who swapped spit with men who aren't cool and whose favorite person in the world is John Laryngitis absolutely so so he was so he was raw and then he got sent to smackdown now he's being brought back to raw actually i don't know if his i don't know if it's his first time on raw or not but he was okay. on SmackDown. You, you said you said brought back to raw sure so sure uh then on june 23rd smackdown uh muhammad hassan and kazro davari as a package deal are brought to smackdown from raw Yes, okay. Muhammad Hassan is on this episode of SmackDown. We are wait, going to get... Wait, he's that guy, isn't he? Yes, he. as a reminder, he is the guy who oh. was initial. He was, first of all, an Italian-American. Great start to how the rest of the sentence goes. <laughs> is He was a character who was brought in to say that he has been... Um, he has been discriminated against in the post 9-11 world for being yep. a Muslim in America. Yep. The crowd response to that was, was boo. <laughs> how now, dare you? How how dare you advocate for for a, like jingoism to chill the fuck out, you piece of shit? Now, again, they as time went on, they leaned harder into the jingo him being unironically. A terrorist? Yeah. <laughs> Which, WWE's personal 9-11 guy. Yes. So as a and as a uh as a reminder of the timeline is that this gimmick falls apart on July 7th, 2005, when on the same day of the London 7-7 bombings, they air a skit where the or Muhammad Hassan kidnaps the Undertaker with a bunch of dudes dressed in stereotypical uh, terrorist garb. 
all, all black and, and, and dressed in combat fatigues and shit. Uh, the gimmick would be killed dead as UPN, who is currently airing SmackDown, was like, the fuck? <laughs> and basically, he would never appear on television again until the Great American Bash because uh, they had already established that The Undertaker versus Muhammad Hassan was going to happen on pay-per-view. So they okay. couldn't get out of that one. So they just had The Undertaker literally bury him. Like, he choke slams Muhammad Hassan through the stage at Great American Bash, and we never see him again. Man, it feels really unfair to that guy that he, you know, was r- written into that role. And then, you know, instead of, instead of you know, the smart decision of whoever's dumb fucking idea in the writer's room it was, you know, get rid of them, <laughs> Vince. Um, no, we just get rid of the wrestler because fuck you. And, and as again, I bring this up because uh, July 7th, 05 is when it all falls apart. This yep. episode is June 30th, 2005. Uh-oh. And Uh-oh. I'll go ahead and say this right now. This is the only episode of SmackDown that we will be watching that has Mohammed Hassan on it. Whoa! I couldn't justify the 7-7 episode in this arc I... as it relates to Eddie and Ray's story. But it would have been fascinating to do that one. Was Undertaker in his biker gimmick at this point? No, he is back to being the dead man. Okay, that makes that... Undertaker is such a weird get for, like, you know, a terrorist group to try to go after. Like, like my man, you're kidnapping a, an, um, an, an, an omnipotent zombie. Like, that man will destroy you. You, your, your kidnapping has no effect on him other than when he decides to target you for murderizing. Why, why the under, I can understand if it was like biker gimmick undertaker. Cause at the very least then it could, you know, you could say like, he oh, was murka. He was murka as fuck when he was the, biker. yeah, he was murka as fuck. And like, it would fulfill every fucking jingoistic ass audience members, like personal power fantasy of getting kidnapped by the Terry's and being like, ah, but you see, I am a true blooded American and I personally will kill all of you for this disrespect. Uh, but no, we're not in Murica Undertaker anymore. We're just at Deadman Undertaker. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh. Just, do, I guess it doesn't matter soon, does it? Doesn't matter. Uh, terribly longer, I guess. Yeah. No, so the, they went to SmackDown. And then on the June 27th episode of Raw, Raw got its last two draft picks, bringing over The Big Show and Rob Van Dam. Oh my God, we boy! And yes. we wait, wait, we got two, 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 two meme lords in one. We got Weed Boy and we got Whale. Whale. He's now on Raw. He's not part of this arc anymore. The old double W. Whale. So SmackDown has two more draft picks tonight. I will not, of course, I will, of course, not say what they are. Uh, So I will run down the list of champions who are currently on SmackDown. Because as I said, they don't have a world champion right now. Uh, So the champions on SmackDown are Orlando Jordan is the United States champion. I unfortunately can't tell you a lot about Orlando Jordan. Uh, He is the most I know about. I basically know two parts of Orlando Jordan's uh, career. Is when he was part of JBL's cabinet when JBL was his aggressive WWE champion, annoying right-winger gimmick okay. in 2004, 
And I assume that considering he JBL would have only lost the WWE title a couple months ago, he's probably still palling around with JBL and company. As the I US still can't champion. believe that JBL ever fucking held the WWE title. Jesus Christ. He held it for like a year. He's the one of the he was one of the longest reigning WWE champions ever, and he is the longest reigning when it was a SmackDown exclusive title. Look, I know JBL is kind of a legend to the company, but like Jesus, imagine put it, putting all of your eggs in that basket. Holy yeah. shit. So I also know Orlando Jordan from his days in TNA, his oh. short-lived run in TNA when they just he is he is bisexual. And oh. they decide to play that up. And he's aggressive at least sexual oh, and weird bloody mcslutter slutterson wants to slut it up he with is. every living human because bye he is and i believe mm. he got fired from that one because he weirded everybody out by bringing his uh questionably of age boyfriends around okay jordan uh, orlando jordan's a pedophile good to know yay, yay! <laughs> hooray <laughs> he's getting better and better <laughs> Gimmick is still very weird though. He he like he like came out dressed only in uh caution tape and he like squirted white stuff. It's part of the gimmick. It's part of his entrance. Good times. And this was W wait, was this him? TNA. Oh, his him and TNA. I was gonna say we're crossing the line. <laughs> he certainly is crossing a few lines clearly at least in a legal sense you know probably in a moral definitely in a moral sense too you know few few few, few definite lines are being crossed waka waka <laughs> fuck yeah anyway <laughs> anyway fuck anyway moving on uh, the wwe tag team champions are mnm i brought them up earlier they beat eddie and ray for the tag titles and basically they're like big shot hollywood types is i think the best way to kind of try to describe them it's john morrison and joey mercury Oh well, John Morrison right now is going by the name Johnny Nitro, so that's the N okay. and an M. It is, and they are they are both like ostentatious, and they got, you know, they're both wearing the big flowy jackets that John Morrison has kept his whole career. Does the, do, do they do they get fans upon their entrance? That's very that's very uh the 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 fans blowing directly in their hair is very important to me. I think they do. I don't I don't. It's been a while. And then Melina is their manager, and and she is the other M. Okay. And uh, she is just a hot chick. I'm sure if we get to see them, there'll be some cake shots. Oh, I'm but I'm, the coolest I'm, part of her entrance as and thus as part of Eminem's entrance is that like they have like extras play paparazzi to photograph them on a red carpet as that's that's their entrance gimmick is they set up like a red carpet down the ramp and they come down it and there are like people who play photographers. Okay, you know, I always found private parties entrance a little like fun and goofy with the whole like fucking bouncer. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, like 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 opening the 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 red velvet uh thing for them. That that just takes this shit to a whole other level. That is incredible. Mm -hmm. 
And then the cruiserweight champion, because to be clear, at this point in time, what they did is they have the the women's championship is exclusive to Raw, and the cruiserweight championship is exclusive to SmackDown. I see. And the cruiserweight champion is Paul London. I unfortunately don't know enough about him to give you any information about him as a character. Unfortunate. He's a really good wrestler. I know that. I've seen him wrestle before as part of a tag team with Brian Kendrick. And he is he does part crop up in Lucha Underground eventually. So, oh, hey. But I can't tell you much about him in terms of what he was like in 2005. I mean, I do love my cruiserweights, my 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 small boys who can do flippy shit. That always makes me extremely happy. So, uh, you know, not not a bad impression off the bat. And being an LU guy only kind of solidifies that more for me. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to go in open minded on my boy Paul London, and uh, hopefully he doesn't have any skeletons in his closet like his other fellow champion, who also is named after a location. Hmm. Hmm. Hey, one can only hope. Yes, so that is our um, that is our uh, setup for this episode. If you would like to watch this episode along with along with us, you can of course do so at PeacockTV.com, WWE's official uh, streaming service partner. Uh, it, you can watch pretty much any episode of WWE TV, uh, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, as long well as WCW Nitro and ECW Hardcore TV. There is for $4.99 a month with ads, $9.99 a month, $9.99 a month without ads. And that is what we'll be watching it on tonight. Hell yeah. Oh, I'm so fucking excited. Oh my God, let's fucking do this. So we will be back to talk about the June 30th, 2005 episode of Friday Night Smackdown. Hell yeah. And we are back. We have just finished the June 30th, 2005 episode of Thursday Night Smackdown. My apologies. I yeah. had a when I said it in the front half. My entire life is a lie. Thursday Night Smackdown? Thursday, Smackdown has bounced around between Thursday and Friday pretty much its whole existence. I just forgot what. You know, I probably should have realized, in. like, doing the basic math when you were, like, listing off all the dates of smackdown versus raw i should have realized huh there's only three days in between hmm, hmm. yeah interesting oh I, just, well. I didn't even register so yeah thursday night smackdown oh man yeah uh a chaotic episode i think a lot happened especially considering one match took up half the episode, which we will yeah, talk about. Yeah, that was, that was nuts. There's um, so much history to this episode of SmackDown that I didn't even know was going to happen. Jesus. No, there there was... A, the, you, you got caught off guard on multiple points, my man. You... It's it's always fascinating to watch you, watching you have your, oh, shit, I didn't realize this is when this happened moment. Yeah, yeah like... Say, you know, um, this... Uh, your 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 reactions along those lines this time uh for things far less aberrant than not uh, than, yeah. than you know like godfather premiering when you didn't expect him to yeah it's it's not always a good thing it's always for the best when we get what i get surprised about but you know i did get surprised big time on something you know it's one of those things i have a vague sense of when that happened i didn't yeah. realize it happened that here yeah exactly yeah there were there were there were a couple um 
uh, yeah, things things get off to a wild start immediately because because off the bat we got fucking Daivari and Hassan. Well, I I, I want to know if we want to start with the Eddie Ray thing, or if we want to just go in order on that one. I I, I I'm 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 here for I'm here for uh for going in order. Okay. Um, uh, just because I don't know, I I like the flow of of going in order. You know, we got got sure. it's all about it's all about that pacing. You know. Sure. Um, sure. No, but um. Uh yeah, we 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 kick off the episode with with Davari and Hassan after a vid intro video with way too much white background. Oh yeah, that that uh opening the the opening credits. I was fucking blind afterward. Jesus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no white white background uh chroma keyed into people in front of green screen. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um. So Davari and Hassan are first to uh, are first to come out. Alia, uh, Alia, Alia. His theme couldn't have started more stereotypically. Be if tried. This isn't English and sounds like he came the Middle East. It sounds it sounds foreign and that's terrifying. That's not good. Anyway, yeah. So it's <laughs> great. We're we're just we're just I off wanna, to the fucking races. I do want to emphasize that what I said uh, that I did there was not like a parody of what that sounds like That's it's literally right. how it sounds literally what it sounds like what the fuck why i mean i know why they were being racist as fuck but like mm-hmm. come the hell on you absolute hacks are you kidding me <laughs> and it's like played over like a like video of the american flag too like oh look at the irony okay uh so yeah, that's a thing. Um, but yeah, and also uh, what I didn't realize going into this is that we got fucking Taz on commentary. Yes, I didn't Time mention it. Time truly the... is a flat circle. I didn't mention it in the front half, but yes, Michael Cole and Taz are the SmackDown commentators at this point in time. They... JR's over on Raw, ain't he? Yes, Lawler, JR and Jerry Lawler are the raw commentators. Yeah, so look at that. Taz and uh Taz and Lawler uh, or Taz and JR commentating on companion shows for the same company. Heck, time is a flat circle. I'll point out now in a couple of years uh they will move, they will swap JR and Cole so that Cole and Lawler can be on Raw and Taz and JR comment together on oh, smackdown that sounds like a magical fucking pairing i know t- i Cole, Cole and lawler's obnoxious as shit jr and taz sounds great mm-hmm. um but but yeah so so taz is here hell yeah uh and uh hassan advances to the ring and of course as soon as the audience goddamn lays their eyes on him we start hearing usa chants for a God. very long time, they hold the USA for a hot second. Time. Uh, yeah, please shut the fuck up, audience. You're you're not cool. This is you. You're not the badass freedom fighters you think you are. Just stop embarrassing yeah. yourselves. I'm begging you. Also, want to point out now is that Kazuro Divari. I didn't mention it in the front half, but obviously, if you follow our Lucha Underground arc, you might notice it's the Delavar. similarity of names of Delavar Divari. It's the same it's guy, the same human being. It's wild to see him with hair. Yes, um, that 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 was that was a weird thing. I'm used to him being bald as shit, and he's just here with like hair, hair, and facial hair, like. God damn. 
really i i got i i kind of got legitimately clark ken affected a little bit just like yeah the slight change all of a sudden who the fuck are you um who is this yeah. man so so once once hassan is deciding he's heard enough of the usa chance he gets on mic and starts shitting on the fourth of july which you know base yeah uh for first note is i mentioned in the front half that he is italian american not arab american yeah and i and he obviously doesn't sound super italian but i feel like you can tell that he's not arab you can definitely oh i have notes on that but like it legitimately i kind of said this is a joke but also kind of legitimately half the times it looks like he's trying not to do the fucking like italian hand articulating <laughs> yeah i can i can almost hear in the background that Cella luna it's the fourth of july yeah I, like he's his his hands are like doing that motion. He's trying so hard not to let them like curl together to let his thumb meet with all of his other fingers, so he can start like flipping it back and. F- yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. Uh. He he just proceeds to cut an insanely based promo about how like people of color in America aren't as free as their white counterparts because of like the way they get discriminated against, and he's like. Do you feel like a free man, Kazaro? I don't feel like a free man. I am not a free man in this country. And I uh, I wish you would, you could understand what it was like in my shoes. Like, yeah. Like, like, I'm not doing it justice. It was legitimately. No, it was, it was like, a great promo. It was a really good, like, okay, this man's mic skills are dope. And like, it was honestly kind of like based and inspiring to listen to. And like, like I, I was feeling like the bourgeois fervor rise up in me. Like, yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck the white supremacist structures. Tear them all down. Yeah. And like, yeah, no, it was, it was kind of dope. As someone who's seen plenty of July 4th episodes of WWE TV, including going to a July 4th raw once oh is I know is that it's very common in July 4th promos to just kind of use that as an excuse to make fun of fat Americans yeah. and your eating habit habits. And so I appreciate that Davari didn't go that route. No. He instead was... made a good point. Yeah. It was awesome. Like it was he why are you booing him? He's right. No, also, yes. Also, he apparently kicked Big Show's ass, which damn respect yeah before we get to that i will say that i noted in the crowd while he's still talking about the fourth of july stuff because he does eventually transition to talking about wrestling stuff uh yes but at one point there i there is a crowd a sign in the crowd that says speak english hassan and davari which i want to point out is racist as fuck because they both speak very clear english yeah, not even heavily accented English. No, Hassan especially, the 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 accent is purely Western. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I say, may, may, maybe it was a maybe it wasn't a prescriptive judgment; it was a descriptive judgment. Like literally, like they just came here to observe that Davari and Hassan speaking. <laughs> well, I would buy that if they put him the other way around. <laughs> if they just Hassan and Davari speak English, but no. Oh. Oh, English I thought, comes I thought first. The, oh, no. the speak English came first. I thought you said it came second. I would no. love to bring a like an opposing sign just right next to that person speaking English. Davari and Hassan next to it. Davari and Hassan speaking. Oh yeah, it's the other way around. 
I think that'd be incredible. No, um, and he then proceeds to go on and and oh yeah, no. So so he mentions that he kicked the Big Show's ass, which like, okay, he got a win on Big Show. Yeah, that's badass. As they hell. were yeah. There to be clear is that like we talk about how this gimmick is shitty, of course, and how they oh, bury yeah. it dead real quick. But before they. Before they bear before the seven seven bombings and they bury this thing six feet in the ground, like they were actually giving a lot to Davari. Like even like he as he mentions, he's undefeated up to this point. And even if he also does skits where Hulk Hogan beats him up, he's getting beaten up by Hulk Hogan. That's yeah. not insignificant in 2005. This man is clearly a talented wrestler and promo cutter. Yeah, and they were positioning him as a big-time heel until... That <laughs> <laughs> old 7-7, man. No, yeah. Um, but but yeah, so he, he then starts going on his anti-Undertaker bent, which is kind of confusing. It, um, it, it, it's kind of plain. Yeah, he, he basically... He brings up the, the, the five-man elimination match they're set up because, again, as I mentioned... In the front half, at this point in time, SmackDown has no world champion. John Cena was drafted away to Raw. So yep. their solution for that is tonight to have a five-way match. It was going to be six-way match, but Big Show got drafted back to Raw as well. So he is no longer available for this. Uh, it is Muhammad Hassan, JBL, Booker T, The Undertaker, and Chris Benoit. And the winner will be the SmackDown champion. Yeah, so that's that. That's a thing that that Hassan gets to be a part of. Yes, and 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 uh, he is lobbying against the Undertaker being in the match because he is in a feud with the Undertaker, pointing out that wait, JBL. Oh, wait, how, how how established is this feud at this point? It's been a couple of weeks worth of stuff, I believe. Okay, like it's, it's so that, been that, it's been established. He doesn't he doesn't call out the Undertaker for absolutely no reason. Okay, that that also makes the like abduction shit make a little more sense. Like, okay, I get I get why it's an escalation of a of a feud. It's just a very poorly timed escalation. But still, my man, I I get that you're talented, but like, please know who the fuck you're feuding with. Like, yes. really take some time to think about it. But he he tries to argue that the Undertaker recently lost to JBL. So, like, what right does he have to compete for the world title on SmackDown? It's bullshit, I say. Yeah, which, which, fair. Fair, fair enough. But, and then The Undertaker comes out, his whole big, long entrance. I don't believe we've ever experienced his post-2004 entrance. Yeah! On show. After, <laughs> he, he, he basically has that entrance for the rest of his time after he quits being a biker. We we joke like uh, we'll joke about how some wrestlers have like long entrances like you know you, you have the you have the fucking um uh, uh it crowd bit where it's like how long does this go on for a million hours apparently like that we joke about that with you know people like like Chris Judas this day and age uh but Undertaker holy shit. Yeah. They take their sweet ass time. He walks slow as molasses, and we just hear gong. The entire fucking time. 
I'm not going to say it's a bad entrance though, especially no. uh, cinematography wise. Uh, they do some cool, they do some cool angle stuff with like, they pump so much fucking smoke oh, around here and they, and they use that really well. Oh no, it's shots. dope. It's just so, I, fi- I just find it funny how fucking long it is. Like, yep. That's just, it just takes its sweet ass time, man. I'm, I'm um, going to come out however long I want. No, I mean, it's quality, and everyone knows it's quality, including our man Taz, who very astutely observes that it sends goosebumps up your spine. Taz. Yeah. Taz, yeah. my man. I will always regret not being able to see The Undertaker's entrance live. It's, you know, by the time I started being a wrestling fan, he was in his, I'm, a, I'm only showing up for WrestleMania. Yeah, fair. Current part of his career. So, like, welp. Well, guess I'll die. Yeah, but The Undertaker hits the ring eventually, and Davari done scoots out of there real fast. Well, yeah, he, they 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 have a they they have a little confrontation. He tries to go after uh, he tries to go after Hassan. Hassan's like, oh, 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 or yeah. he, he kind of tries to step to the big man, and then he gets he gets choked, and then Davari comes up behind him, hits him with a chair. So Undertaker turns on Davari. Hassan uses that time to get the fuck out of there. Then Davari tries to get out, but Undertaker catches him and choke slams him. Waka waka. Yeah, and commentary's thought- like, oh man. I bet I bet Hassan's regretting his life choices right about now. Yeah, Hassan backtracks and starts because he earlier in the promo talked about how this is the end of the age of the dead man. Yeah. And Undertaker's like, the fuck you say to me? Non-verbally, because Undertaker doesn't say a word this whole time. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't mean any disrespect by that. I mean, you've beaten everybody. You had a very long age. But then he goes, you've never beaten me. True. Yeah. The ball, the absolute cojones on, on Muhammad Hassan are legendary. Mm. Um, quick, quick, one more quick sidebar before I make kind of a final comment on that part of the thing is like, they mentioned that big show was supposed to be part of this eliminator mm. match. And then he just got, I love how like they just got rid of him while he was lined up for this fucking eliminator. Tournament. Well, Okay. So the idea at this point, I believe, is the is a draft lottery. So we are expected to believe it is a, it is random. Well, I I know that, but like, I find it funny that that he got teased as being part of this eliminator, and then you know they decided, yeah, no, we're gonna trade him over to Raw. Fuck you. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Oh God, yeah. Um. I mean, we'll see later. There's a reason for that, but still. Yeah. Um, so I, at the time, yeah, I was, Div- I was Divari but- gets choke slammed. It would go to hell. Also, also, he says, Muhammad has specifically says, you've never beaten Muhammad Hassan. And the way he says his own name, like, he says Muhammad Hassan in, like, the most Western voice imaginable. This man, this man's, like, Italian-American is showing, like, it, it sound, it's one of, it's so, like, it's so over-the-top western that it sounds like like what a british person sounds like when they try to do an american accent of like you've never beaten mohammed hassan and like the hassan gets kind of like nasally and throaty at the same time mm-hmm. and it's like man i i could not believe less that your name is mohammed hassan as you fucking screamed that name into that microphone yeah oh that's a that's a large oof from me wwe oh yeah shit. sure 
so then we move on to our first match of the evening mm -hmm. paul london versus chavo guerrero yes Ooh, chavo. before before we get to uh chavo's entrance we get london's entrance first and um i i do have to wonder if um that building had any uh need to be uh health inspected because michael cole makes the comment of there's a championship feel in the air and i would really like to know what the hell a what championship feel in the air means you might want to get like an air quality test commission there get, a, get an air get an air filter that clean that clears that, that right clears out. that shit right out of there <laughs> absolutely but yeah so so um fucking london makes his entrance while the entire audience and and staff are getting high on whatever fucking fumes come from championship field in the air <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, real high on that supply yeah true uh, uh, but, 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 but then yes but then yes ooh, chavo dang, dang, dang it. i was fucking dying um off the bat i just just as a point of curiosity i wonder like what the proportion the percentage of mexico chavo has pissed off at this point in time like it's, where's that sitting at where are we working with here what well uh, i mean i think future i think i think you could argue based on how this story go how this segment goes he's clearly pissed off some degree some of, of mexico. mexico yeah yeah that's the best part i wondered this and then we get later on so uh oh by the way it is, start... it is a cruiserweight championship match yes yes so they start they start going at it and it's a solid match Again, just really need to point out it's fucking surreal hearing Taz's voice on commentary. Like it yeah. like it feels like I'm watching an AEW match through the filter of like two thousand five WWE, specifically just by Taz cup commentating on it and kind of mm -hmm. making it feel legit with just how I'm used to what what I'm used to hearing him commentate on. So that's that's nuts. Um yeah. But yeah, so so they're fighting and it's it's a it, it's a good showing like yeah paul, paul, london great is, for london here. paul london uh i i clearly suggested that i don't really know much of his character and i don't think this helped i don't think he has much of one besides being a good guy yeah. but he is a great athletic performer he was one of, the, one of the coolest moments in the match was is chavo guerrero has got is in has got paul london in the corner Paul London jumps out of the corner, leapfrogs over Chavo out of the corner, a fairly, a kind of a standard lucha-y move, high flyery move. But he manages to like back kick Ch it, Chavo in the back, in midair. Yeah. It's super subtle, and I caught it more on the replay, but it was dope as hell. Dude, the Chavo's Chavo's talented as shit for as much of a bastard as he always plays. Mm -hmm. And yeah, clearly Paul London's a great guy, and I'm instantly interested in like checking out a lot more of his work because yes. that clear clear talent on display there Something but oh i wasn't ready for oh ho ho the mexico the Me yeah so, so all of a sudden the match gets interrupted by a, a train of lawn mowers i i referenced the mexicals at the end of the katie vick arc as part of the remember stupid shit that happened in the ruthless aggression era okay and yet i wasn't prepared for the actually see them so to kind of paint this picture for you 
It is three Mexican wrestlers, Juventud Guerrera, Super Crazy, and Psychosis, who I will emphasize are three of the greatest luchadors of the late 90s, 1990s. They all had extremely successful runs in WCW and ECW. And here they are. In WWE, feels familiar. Yes, we. I believe I. I have at least referenced a match he had with Rey Mysterio in WCW. Or I actually, I believe we watched Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis at Bash. Yes, we did. Yeah, I swear to God, we did. Yeah, and here he is unmasked. And okay, let let me let me again kind of go back to painting the picture of what these guys look like. They are in bat. They are in overalls. Kind of like workman's overalls. Yeah. And they're riding to the ring in lawnmowers that have Juan Deer on them as a logo. They're Juan Deer lawnmowers. And they oh also God. are carrying big inflatable balloons that are Jose Cuervo bottles. Yeah, and the, and the fuck is this? And they just start like circling the ring in their one deers. I I wrote down as Colt, and to be clear, they only debuted for the first time on the previous episode of SmackDown on June twenty third. So Cole and Taz don't know who these guys are. It sure is a good thing that the graphics team does because for a team that gets named in this episode, they already have a graphic calling them the Mexicans. The Mexicans. Yeah, I know. I know. And 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 the thing is too like they 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 don't know who the hell these guys are, but Taz is still there to point out the Juan Deers. He's Yeah, he sees the Juan, the Juan Deer and he's like, "Well, it's Juan Deer, Cole." And I wrote I wrote down a Taz quote because it's just so silly. It's Michael Cole's asking, what are they doing here? And Taz's response verbatim. They're driving lawnmowers, Cole. What do you think they're doing? (laughs) I fucking love Taz, man. He's such a goddamn goofball. Thank you, Tazmaniac. Extremely cool. Extremely helpful. Yeah, no. So this is clearly the, the... uh, this clearly has something to do with with Chavo pissing off Mexico, whether they're here as revenge or or they're going to be uh, they're they're going to be the avatars by which uh, Chavo starts his quest of pissing off the entire country of Mexico. Um, yes, it all they, starts they, here with the Mexicans. They are they are here and they start just wrecking shit. They attack both Chavo and Paul London, and Chavo and London kind of team up to yeah the match the match gets thrown out as they all interfere and it becomes a three-on-two fight chavo and paul london try to fight off the mexicans who just beat their ass and that's that chavo and london uh man they make they kind of make a good team but they uh, do they work well together but oh well the never they never team up do they I, God fucking they damn probably, it. They probably team up in the future to fight the Mexicans, but not anything long term. But, you know, Ooh. the damn numbers game. Yes. It's the win. Eventually, Psychosis goes to get a microphone 
and who and Juventud Guerrera like signals at him, and he takes the microphone he got from the timekeeper's area, and then hit B, and then not clocks the timekeeper in the head. Yeah, that for no that was, reason. That fucking that was fucking hysterical. Psychosis just decks the timekeeper. Like the poor timekeeper, like he goes over to the timekeeper's desk and like grabs shit. And the timekeeper's got like this deer in the headlights look on his face. And Psychosis kind of stops for a second, looks at him, and just fucking yeets him across the head. And the guy, mm-hmm. the guy, the guy spins and just collapses. It's beautiful Um, all right so hooventude gets the microphone and i wrote down quite a few of the quotes from this promo because it's absolutely kind of nuts yeah Uh, we start we start with is there any mexican in the house yes very clear is that that is exact word for word what he says he doesn't say is there any mexicans in the house he does say is there any mexican in the house several times i mean i get what he was going for yeah of course but a big cheer gets raised. And Austin, I would like to posit a theory to you that I don't Point. entirely think that that every single person who was cheering in response was actually Mexican. I am probably not dubious of that. But I, I will point out that this that this show is taking place in Anaheim, California. So like this is a pot. This would be a crowd that is at least more favorable to the Mexican population than the fair. average American crowd. So that's probably why this promo has to go the way it goes. Is he, he, who is Hoovies on the mic? He's like, is there any Mexican in the house? And he has a special message for the Mexicans in the crowd. Yes. He says, the gringos think you're fat. And I believe, and I believe super crazy and psychosis both like repeat it in Spanish. They think, think you he, are. I think he does too himself. Yes, yeah, he, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He goes. He goes. The gringos think you're fat, gordo. Um, you are lazy. Yeah, and I forget what. And he then after, then he goes. They are right. Yeah, and that ooh. was the that was the great twist of all of this. Is well, that, I was like the fuck. Is that he agrees with the gringo? I thought for sure he was gonna be like building some like heat or something, but he's just like, well, yeah, no, they're right. Fuck you. But and then, some, some but then after the, but then after that, the promo is an anti-gringo the, <laughs> because he then talks about how they how they need to rise against the gringos. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of like proletarian fervor, fervor I think I said bourgeois fervor earlier. Which whoops. No, but speaking of speaking of proletarian uh, fervor from earlier, fuck. <laughs> the, he he says uh, they're right. Rise against the gringos. Well, we are getting two incredibly base calls to action against the goddamn colonizers in this episode. Hell yeah. Absolutely incredible. And then. You you kind of quickly learn why Hooventude is the one who's talking, the primarily because he gives the mic over to Psychosis, and Psychosis says, and I quote, "Everyone in this business knows I'm the real psycho, Psychosis." Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, okay, and super crazy. It's your turn, and super crazy. All he says is, "Yo, soy super crazy." <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. This is and that is actually his catchphrase, by the way. Is not not but basically his his catchphrase is I am super, I am crazy, I am super crazy. 
Whoa, incredible. And, yeah. and then Hoovy is on the mic, says that his name is Hoovy, and he has the juice. The juice. I I really don't understand what I love how often like culinary imagery gets used in wrestling. I don't know why that is, but you know, if you smell uh, or we got the juice here or we got, you know, freshly squeezed orange Cassidy wrestlers really like their food. And now I'm really starting to think the wrestlers are just a bunch of hungry motherfuckers. Are are they, are they okay? Are we, are we, are we feeding them enough? Is this, I mean, mean, I'm going to point out that Booker T was a spokesman for the Hungry Man microwavable meals for a while there. He has several well, commercials of Hungry Man commercials, which are iconic. Well, there you go. He is a hungry and and you got the in the the inimitable Randy Savage Slim Jim commercials. And Kane and Mankind did uh uh Chef Boyardee commercials. The the fuck? Uh yes. Okay. Kane opens Kane wow. opens a can of Chef Boyardee doing his like pyro thing and he makes the can explode open. The fuck? Okay. It's, it's fantastic. That's Emotional. incredible. We have Hulk we, we have Hulk Hogan's goddamn posters. Oh the Hulkaroos, brother. Oh Hulkaroos. Uh we have the world. Uh man. WWF man, there are so many food connections There's in wrestling. So, what is it all what does it all mean? This is, this Foodie is Sylvia. Fuck. This is yeah, this is our Pepe Sylvia. This is our Pepe food. Sylvia. Foodie Sylvia, the name keeps coming up. Foodie Sylvia, Foodie Sylvia. There is no Foodie Sylvia. <laughs> you know what? Appropriate with how shitty all of their culinary ventures end up being. Hey oh. Yes. Anyway. Oh, Back man. to oh, the oh, revolution. Sorry, welcome to our they, podcast. Yes, um, the Mexicans say that you can all join our revolution, and uh, based, of course. Yeah, and yeah. then they end the promo with, "We are no Mexicans. We are Mexicans." I feel like you are also Mexicans, but you know that's I feel, just. I, feel I don't like think those things are mutually exclusive, but you know, you do you. I don't think that line is as cool as you think it is, but yeah. all right. <laughs> damn, damn. Man, they, they got something in common with the USA changes earlier. hey oh, Yeah. Anyway, uh. after that, we cut away to the Eddie a, and Ray highlight video yeah. showing what happened last week. They had a singles match on SmackDown last week. It was a hard-fought match, and Ray Mysterio won again. Yeah, uh, and Eddie is... Definitely not salty about it. Nope. And, nope but after no that, after the match, he's smiling. He's he doesn't Smi- seem he's angry. That crazy little smile. And he is in fact backstage with Josh Matthews interviewing him. And Josh Matthews asks him that same question: Is why are why are you smiling last week, Eddie? After you lost, and Eddie explains that it's because he knows the truth. He knows and the truth. Ray is going to go out there tonight and. Get on his knees and beg me beg. not to tell the truth. Beg me not to tell the truth. Oh, damn. Which I cannot wait to talk about Eddie Guerrero I have to say, in full. Is, off the bat, like, this is starting to have, this, this has, like, 
slight like echoes of katie vick just like in the setup like i know the truth and i'm gonna go out there and show you all the truth and here's a video of me being unhinged and like you know teasing about the truth hmm. i can see that but thankfully i think this storyline is much less offensive oh it's far less it's far less aberrantly like tasteless absolutely i just find it funny yeah so uh, then we we, we cut backstage to Eminem, who are being total pervs because Emelina is bent over getting ready yeah. for the match, and you got Joey Mercury and and Joe and Johnny Nitro in the back doing like the hand camera thing at her ass, yeah, staring at their manager's ass, of course. But anyway, Ugh. the whole the whole bit is that Melina and Melina Ketson is like, hey, focus is is that I is that it's her first match tonight and she name drops a bunch of people who are going to definitely see her first match i didn't catch all of them because they're all 2005 celebrities but the <laughs> one i did remember is is that how she says that ashton referring to ashton kutcher of course will uh, not be there because well it's in anaheim california he never goes to anaheim it's a discount la <laughs> yeah yeah building building that fucking heat as you do got a shit on yeah. the place and everybody hates you waka sure. waka but she is gonna take out that melina has has sworn that she will take out that that wannabe diva michelle mccool tonight and in fact she is so confident she eminem can stay in the back she's got this yeah so, no uh not and, only and, and, well, we well, she, she goes out to all the fucking paparazzi yeah. of course but like not only is this a debut-ish of the Mexicals, it's the first match of Molina's WWF career. That's pretty wild. She's kind of remembered as being one of the higher lights of this era of time of women. So it's like, whoa, Molina's first match. That, that is, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't understand like the full historical context, obviously, as, you know, am the noob, but... Mm -hmm. I she certainly seemed cool in ring. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Which before we get to her entrance, which I would like to rehighlight, is we get they start doing the plugs for for SmackDown, and one of the plugs was for the Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, baby. They just keep picking fucking winners in there. In I was their, like, what? I guess it work. is 2005. What? Jesus Christ, that That's Fantastic the Four the, movie the came out. Evan, the Chris Evans Fantastic Four movie. The Chris Evans. The one, the Chris one Evans that and has... Jessica Alba as, as Sue Storm. Yeah, and some What's-His-Nuts as the other as, as the other guy. And some I know him in some TV movie. shows, but I don't know his, his actor's name. Yeah. If, uh... wild, wild, wild shit. Uh, in, inferior... Uh, inferior fan fa inferior way to name your Fantastic Four movie. I'm just saying. Um, All right, I guess we gotta go watch something from 2015 to make yeah, sure. Yeah, bro, fan four Fantastic Four woke fan four stick. Obviously, You're damn right. You'll love to but, see it. Yeah, Melina has got her full entrance that I was talking about with Eminem earlier. She's rolling. They roll out the red carpet. They got the paparazzi. You know, I see. Here's the thing. If it were just her entrance and Eminem's entrance i could understand like the, the the paparazzi you know it's all part of the act right like they mm -hmm. they just like to posture as you know famous dudes who are getting 
you know, the they're 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 getting they're, they're, fam- getting some... they're famous, but not famous enough to not have to do wrestling as a job. Yeah, yeah, no, like like no, but but like it can come across as posturing and like you know the 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 paparazzi people are all just part of the act and they're not actually. But like earlier when Melina left her dressing room, there were you could hear paparazzi out in the hall like clamoring. So I want to know how the fuck these like what the fuck the kayfabe explanation is for why these three people are constantly getting chased down by paparazzi. Because like, they are, of course, very famous with very many famous friends. But, but how, Austin? What are they famous for? No, no, I need that's, to understand. That's not important. No, but, but but you don't just get paparazzi on your ass for no reason. That's what, that's what not relevant. Why are they mid carding in WWE in 2005 if they're very famous? They can't that's be doing not t- important. Uh, What's important I, is that they are very famous. I need, I need answers. I need answers. What does it all mean? <sighs> yeah. Also, uh, shouts out to the TV crew. I'm sure they'll get this right eventually. Is that uh, right? I'll say. Is that uh, Melina does her famous bit where as she's getting into the ring, she does a split on the apron and yeah. the camera doesn't pan to her ass. Yay! Even though she, by design, comes into the ring in a way to show off her ass. They, she, uh, she is no. clearly a woman who likes to show off her posterior. This is there. The- Don't you worry. The WWE cameras will figure this out soon enough. They'll oh, make sure to get that right. Oh, joy. Yay. Anyway, uh, Michelle McCool comes out with not her music that I'm used to and also wearing powder blue. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Uh, Undertaker's future wife, apparently? Yes, Michelle McCool, future wife of The Undertaker. Neat. And uh, I was like, I wrote LMAO, Michelle just spears the shit out of Melina to start the match. Okay, so this match was wild oh shit mccool's still married to the undertaker that's nice yeah Um, yeah as far yeah this match was wild like first of all because like melina is clearly a pretty good wrestler mccool seems like she's a pretty good wrestler but like so that that was that was neat but off the bat they're they're both more they're both two of the more athletically inclined women's wrestlers of this time yeah yeah i mean it wasn't great but it was fine but Melina, the Melina is making noises as if oh yeah, she's just screeching as if she were a wounded squirrel. This entire fucking mat, like like (laughs) Michelle McCool spears her, and she just immediately like "Ah, ah, I can't, I can't go that high. But like it is like high pitched and it's squeaky and it just like comes out and bursts, and it was absolutely fucking wild to listen to just throughout the entire match. Like, I don't know how the hell you sustain that, but just the entire goddamn time, she's screeching. It's so fucking funny. Yep. So early in the match, Melina's getting her ass kicked until eventually she tries to feign surrender and she pulls out her, puts out her hand for the handshake. And then Michelle hesitates, and then Melina cheap shots her. Of course. Yeah, and this gets Melina an opportunity for to take advantage. 
Uh, they go a little bit of a back and forth. Melina, Michelle gets Melina. It's not a it's not a long match as you'd expect, but Michelle gets Melina up into the corner punches, and I'm and like Melina, Michelle has such a gap in her legs in the way she put her stance. I'm like Melina could easily get out of this, and well, what and do you know? Really she kind of does. She power bombs Michelle off from the top where Michelle's on top, and then she pins Michelle McCool, and while she does it. She gets her legs up on the ropes for added leverage. Yeah, and the the, the commentary is like, "Hey, that's that's cheating. Hey, ref, that's that's it cheating." It indeed is, but LOL didn't see it. Ref didn't see it. Molina How the fuck does the ref not see it? Her goddamn, she she starts levitating otherwise. Like, no, the, she's clearly that's so dumb. How the fuck do you not see that? That's such bullshit. Ref's got tunnel vision. Once once he's Ref's in a pin, got... he's, he's he, all he can see. All he's he's only looking at the shoulders. He can Running see nothing else for the re- for the rest of the episode. I notice. Um, we'll get to more on that later, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, so, so he incredibly yeah, Malina, missed it. Melina wins somehow and gets away with it and gets the win. Waka waka. But Melina, after the match, is still big mad, and Eminem by this point have come down to the ring. So she tells Eminem to hit, pick up Michelle, and they hit her and they hit her with the snapshot, which is it's kind of like they draw it's kind of like they both get her on their shoulders like her legs are on joey's shoulders and her head is on nitros and then they just dump her ah! yeah it's kind of brutal yeah and then after and then old heidenreich who is who has been established as michelle mccool's friend comes down to make the save after the snapshot i gotta say on one hand, cringe ass white knighting, but like, uh, also it feels weird to think of Heidenreich as a white knight as a character. This is that like, not I'm, does he does he have trouble with like, women otherwise? Like, no, it's just like what I mostly remember him for is is the rest is the writer that pitched him to be a f- unfrozen Nazi, and him otherwise just being a angry monster dude yes i i don't i i swear i've explained this before but yes this is vince uh rejected this pitch wholeheartedly but the original oh, yeah. pitch I for specifically on the grounds of vince rejecting it and i'm just like yeah of, of all things that's what he fucking i'm rejects. gonna be honest i forgot this part of the story and this might be the big reason that vince rejected it but also this writer in explaining heidenreich's character started goose stepping all over the writer's room and i think that might have been the thing that put it over the edge <laughs> what did he feel the need to demonstrate what the yes. fuck a goose step looks like yes he has to demonstrate heidenreich here so he's got to just start uh, goose stepping uh, uh, you see so we have this new idea for a wrestler, and and it is a very original idea that, that has nothing to do with my own personal life. Uh, he is an unfrozen Nazi from Nazi land, and and he starts go stepping all over the place, and he says, "See, guy," and he. He, he, he extols the virtues of the great Fuhrer who did absolutely nothing wrong. 
<laughs> and, and even and even Vince McMahon is just sitting there going, "Whoa, whoa!" I'm gonna need you to take this down. I need you to turn it down a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to back that up a few seconds so we can go back to hearing benches about how I bang my daughter. Yeah, uh, we we are respect we have respectable pitches here, pal. I was like like me having an incest baby with Stephanie. That was respectable pitches only here, pal. Uh, this this goose stepping Nazi shit. How, gotta, how many times, pal? How many times do I have to tell you, idiots? Nazis are out. Incest is in. That's why it's uh, that's why it's called incest. You absolute. It's man. not called outcest, dummies. <laughs> <It's> not... <laughs> it's not called outcest. That's going on a shirt one day. Uh, uh, no, it's not. Yes, it is. We we would make all of the money, Austin. I would love to go around in a shirt that says it's not called outsets. <laughs> oh my fucking god! <laughs> let's the- let's move on to safer what, topics. What the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> Heidenreich being the white knight, amazingly. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to safer topics. Chris Benoit is in the locker room taping his list. Ah, yes. Ah, uh, 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 yes. That, that, that very respectable human being. Holy shit. Oh, and, anyway, oh, after that, Freddy oh, Guerrero uh, comes out to the ring as it's a secrets time. And yeah. Okay. An observation I made is that Eddie is fucking yoked. Like, he is. He is stupid jacked. Uh, this is man wasn't... who. This is a man who got very comfortable with steroids in the back half of his life. Aha! Aha! I see. Um, no, but like the way he walked, he almost looked like a fucking blow up doll, just kind of like waddling toward the ring, just with how cartoonishly jacked he is. He is, but he he comes out to the ring. And he brings up his match from last week, and he's like, "Do you totally think that I'm a loser?" He's not and mad, guys. He's not mad, and he says that he is not a loser. He is a winner at life because yeah, yeah. of all the obstacles that he has overcome. He is but, a he is a life winner. You got I I win at life. Viciously sucks on copium. <laughs> Oh, this whole storyline is real. Is Eddie on copium? I would argue. Yeah, that's kind of the vibes I get, which makes it even fucking funnier that it goes this hard. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. So again, the in in the proud tradition of Katie Vick before him, he's like, I have a tape all about the truth. Roll the tape. Well, and, before we get to that, as oh, he explains okay, that he is. He has uh, gone on, he has done some soul searching and he got a camera to film his, his time soul searching, AKA Eddie Guerrero started a vlog. <laughs> oh my God. The OG, 
the OG wrestling vlog. Indeed. Young Buck do get out of here, BT. What? The original yeah. wrestling vlog, Eddie Guerrero soul searching, and True. he is he, he realized that his soul searching involved one of Rey Mysterio's family members, and he does he plays the clip, and Eddie Guerrero is at a playground with children. Yeah, already okay. feel creepy just, as fuck. We, we, oh, oh, it's great. Yeah, we cut to a fucking playground and I'm like, huh? And then Eddie Guerrero walks in and then just starts like manifesto posting. And I'm like, I don't feel. Uh, but we we discover that this is not just any playground. Oh, no. This is Dominic Mysterio's fucking daycare. Which like, I have some questions about the about the security of his daycare yeah just kind of fucking be and eat into the playground of of dominic mysterio's daycare and absolutely nobody questions him about it now he would probably still get away with it because dominic would be like that's my uncle that's eddie. my uncle eddie yeah, but it's... nobody comes up to be like hey sir what are you doing here why do you have a video camera pointed at the children yeah so he he goes, Dominic, he points over to Dominic to show he's there. And Dominic is swinging on the swing. He's like, hey, Dominic, hello. And he's like, hi, Uncle Eddie. And he's like, hey, swing higher. Now hey. you can do it. Yeah, yeah. And he then, uh, again, not at all creepy. It's like, hey, Dominic, you want some candy? Eddie Guerrero rolled up into here with a white van. <laughs> and some motherfucking free candy for the yeah, children. Yeah, he pulls oh, out. He boy. pulls out like a Twizzler, which amazingly comes up again later. Yeah. <laughs> so he pulls out a Twizzler. The motifs, and, Austin. The very important visual motifs of the he, Twizzler. Yeah, very important. Has a lot to say about fatherhood. Yes. Yeah, he so he pulls out the Twizzler and he gives it to Dominic. And earlier, while he was manifesto posting, he he says. I wonder if Dominic likes secrets. And yeah. so he takes he takes Dom over. He has Dominic uh, slide down the slide. You know, he's just playing with Dominic. Yeah, it's no. so great. I, I it's funny, though. He tells Dominic to go slide down the slide. And, like, Dom, Dominic, like, climbs up a ladder on the play set in order to get to the slide. And Eddie's like, hey, faster, faster. Like, he's trying to fucking, like, wrestling condition him. Like, okay, yeah. okay. But so... He takes Eddie sits down at the base of the slide and he like hey, he's like, Hey, come sit on my lap, Dom. Come here, come here. And he sits there talking to Dom and he's like, Hey, I love you, love you, and, and yeah. hey, love you too, Uncle Eddie. And he asks Dom if Dominic if he likes secrets. And Dominic says, Yes, I love secrets. And he Eddie go and he asks him, he's like, Do you love do you like bedtime stories? And Dominic says, Yes. And Eddie says that he promises to tell Dominic a bedtime story he'll never forget. And yeah. they hug, and the whole time Eddie just stares over <laughs> Dominic's shoulder it right at the camera like a freak. Creepiest ass face I've ever seen. Like, he smiles a little, and then his smile just kind of fades, and he just, like, glares directly at the camera and i'm just like bad touch bad touch <laughs> get away from me <laughs> yeah uh, so Rey right, mysterio okay. comes out after this 
us, obviously. Yeah. And he, Rey Mysterio never gets the microphone to talk himself. He kind of, he says things and Eddie Guerrero reiterates them. And, but Rey Mysterio is begging Eddie to not go there. And Eddie's like, not go there? You mean, you mean tell the truth? The little secret between us? Yeah. And he, at one point he's like, do you want to hit me, Rey? Yeah, he's want to hit me? Right ahead of him. Yeah, he's like, hit me! Hit me right here! And he yeah. pushes down Ray even to try to get him to hit him. And he eventually goes on a rant how you didn't, how is that I, you, I never lose. I always win in the end. I always win no matter what happens, how it Cope. happens. Cope and see. And he threatens to tell Dominic the secret if Eddie, if Ray Mysterio doesn't get on his knees right now and Rey Mysterio does he that he gets down on his knees and begs Eddie to not say anything yep and so Eddie backs up and he pulls out a bag of Twizzlers and, and he's, like, he's like hey Ray you want one they're, they're yeah. good I, I gotta I gotta say Eddie offering Ray candy somehow was not any less creepy than him offering candy to children on the playground yeah. uh uh which maybe maybe it, I, I guess i guess eddie just always got those creeper vibes when he's handing out can't halloween with eddie guerrero must have been a time. not a fun time not a fun time <laughs> he's like babe you got to tone it down a little bit and he's like hey kid hey, you kid, want some, some candy Vicky's <laughs> like babe chill chill no i'm, I'm just offering the kid can't you want some candy <laughs> the fuck anyway uh, and then he turns around he's like vicky vicky calm down you want some candy <laughs> <laughs> so he starts eating the twizzler and then he takes the candy that was in his chewed up in his mouth and shoves it into ray's face and then goes chew on that and leaves and leaves and ray looks horrified understandably like, so this storyline Eddie Guerrero is honestly having a ma doing a masterclass here and being an absolute psychopath. Oh my god, no, absolutely. This is like it's it's I mean it's it's off the fucking like chain and and it's clearly like it's still, you know, a little like hyperbolic and like over the top I suppose, but like it never feels like it goes into goofy territory. Eddie Guerrero is a mm. master of like making shit like this work it seems like he feels so dangerous and scary yeah. yeah he's able to take this material and kind of fucking elevate it and good for him i mean god no wonder he's regarded as goddamn highly as he is yeah it's and it's and it's honestly it like it feels so weird to me because i've never seen eddie guerrero like this really like in wwe his kind of most common character is like happy-go-lucky cheater face like his, yeah. his catchphrase has always been i lie i cheat i steal but you know it's like charming it's charming it's like it's 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 like that funny bugs bunny kind of way of like yeah, ah. yeah he's, he's a he's a sly bastard sort of thing yeah and i've also seen his stuff with china where he is uh deeply in love with china that was a fun time oh oh but man. That was a good story, but he, I've never seen him this like unhinged and just evil. Yeah. This is straight up. Like 
this uh, and I think it's I think in that case, if this is kind of like an uncommon thing for him to go this hard, I think that makes this angle even cooler that he's able to play it as well as he does. Because mm-hmm. yeah, this seems like this is absolute second nature to him, and it seems like this is this is just a natural extension of who the fuck Eddie Guerrero is as as a person, mm-hmm. which is horrifying. Yes. Uh, after that, uh, despite only being at about the halfway point of the episode, it's time for the main event. Yeah, holy shit. Okay, five-man eliminator tournament is half the fucking runtime. Yeah, so first out comes JBL, who uh, they pan to a sign in the crowd that says, just a big loser. True. Get owned. Get get shrecked, nerd. Yeah, and then... uh, Muhammad Hassan is out next, and David points out that Muhammad Hassan is billed from Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, he's one of my Detroit boys. Hell yeah. Absolutely yeah, I, based. Y'all get everybody. It's bullshit. Hey, you guys got you guys got Alexa Bliss. And that's it. I, I can't claim if I get since I, I can't claim Cincinnati, who gets Randy Savage and John Moxley. Hey, close enough. Columbus is just like Alexa Bliss and nah. Hey, you know, quality over quantity. But you get both. Fuck bullshit. Anyway, (laughs) Booker Booker T and Chris Benoit come out next. And then Teddy Long appears uh, to explain that this match actually will be a six-man elimination match. Uh, Because they have a new draftee in the draft lottery. It's Christian I really want to know in kayfabe how last minute these drafts were. Like, did news get sent over like right the fuck before the match started, and did Christian have to like book it over, or like they know the entire time they just decide to fuck with people? Either way, absolutely hilarious. I love how in in so many ways hilariously kind of disorganized and inept kayfabe makes WWE's GMs feel. It's magical. So then the Undertaker's music hits, and instead of getting his long entrance twice, he just teleports into the ring, and we're here to Which, go. I have to say, the teleport was kind of cool. Like, I don't know how the fuck they got him out there so quickly. That's that's some cool I believe that the way they do that is you ha- is they have him under the ring, and he just pops out. Is there, like, a trap door under the ring, out. though? Because when the fuck do you get him in uh, under the ring in the first place? Uh, he would have gone under the ring... Yeah, there was just, there's just a way to get him under the ring. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say there's no there's no goddamn way there's not a trap door down there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, so we start the match with Christian and the Undertaker, and everyone else just kind of hangs out on the outside. And my initial thought was, oh, they're just kind of letting the Undertaker beat Christian's ass. Fair. No need okay. to get in the middle of this. And then mm-hmm. suddenly, they're all up on the apron, and Christian falls over into Hassan and taps him and tags him in this yeah. man elimination match has tags it has tag team rules for some reason even though this is well any in I any way th- shape or form a tag team i have a theory about that we'll get okay to in a minute okay but so it actually isn't too too bad i think it no I it, 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 i have to say it's kind of a cool format i it stood mm-hmm. out a little bit i appreciate how unique it was yeah but it was very jarring to be like, wait, this is a tag? Since you, they got a tag in? All right. Uh, it helps that it's elimination match. Uh, one of the big criticisms of multi, 
multi-tag matches is like because is that that are one fall matches it's like oh you look kind of stupid that you can just kind of like stand there and lose the match that you weren't involved in at all but but everyone has to get in the match because it's an elimination match at some point so everyone's got to get in there so i think that helps uh but taker basically dominates the first part of this match he kicks the shit out of christian a lot and then hassan muhammad hassan gets in there and then he starts whooping muhammad hassan okay yeah yeah, yeah no. very uh uh the 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 taker muhammad hassan feud continues to heat the fuck up yeah uh, as taker just kind of whoops his ass i will i will say um at one point um uh jbl tags in on taker um yeah he shoves taker in the back which is a legal tag in oh no, fuck you and ta- yeah and taker clubs clubs him in the face for that he does he does eventually get in ring though and squares up against hassan and i damn hassan is a good like i said this earlier but yeah hassan held his own against fucking jbl which is impressive that means he does and then he he gets to have some control over like over that section of the match and he's clearly strong he's clearly got a good physicality to him he's clearly got good in-ring instincts such a fucking tragedy that that he his entire wrestling career got murked by the writers just giving him a shitty racist plot that they bailed out on as soon as be, it, as soon as the optics as soon as things got a little too real yeah <laughs> it's got a little too real and uh, I'm, gonna on, I'm gonna be honest I wish the WWF had that same energy in 1991 when they made Sergeant Slaughter an Iraqi sympathizer yeah <laughs> I wish they had that same energy. <laughs> Because uh, that gimmick started before the war, the Iraq, the uh, the uh, Desert Storm, and it yep. ended months after. Yup. No, they couldn't bail on it then. They they were too bought in. Get get. So, oh Jesus. So right. one Hassan tags in Benoit, and uh, it's kind of yeah. a situation of Benoit and JBL kick the shit out of each other, and it's two of the worst people you know doing a good thing. And yeah, Benoit yeah. kicking JBL's ass and JBL kicking Benoit's ass. It's so cathartic. It's so cathartic. I mean, JBL obviously is not a double murderer, but he just, oh man, that man. He's just a stupid, the- bullying jackass. Man rubbed me the wrong way. Still and, happy to see him get his ass beat. Yeah, and uh, in real life, actually, in all the ways, fuck Chris Benoit. Uh, so, yeah. man, it was just. I was just rooting for both of them to get hurt. It was like, it was the, I hope everybody, I just hope everybody has fun me, but I just hope everybody gets absolutely fucking wrecked and can never work again. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So JBL and Hassan are in the ring and Hassan uh, tags in the undertaker by punching him in the face. Yeah. As you do, and as you do absolutely. From there, it all kind of falls apart. Yeah, Taker goes back to whooping Hassan's ass, and at one point, Hassan Muhammad Hassan grabs a chair, Taker steals it, and then Taker hits Muhammad Hassan with a chair. That's a DQ, sucker. First yeah. man out is the Undertaker. Yeah, in this somehow Taker's the first one. Out. Of course, they couldn't let him go out clean. They had to DQ him. So, but I love that Taker just couldn't help himself but beat up this little shit that he really doesn't like. Yeah. Um, and so he keeps whooping Hassan's ass, and Hassan is run off to the back, and they declare that Hassan is out of the match. Yeah, which is kind of bullshit. Like, 
okay, sure, he doesn't come back, but, like, you don't know that. You just kind of, like, declare that, like, ah, take a random out of the ring, he's gone, fuck you. It's, uh, which, he's not even the legal man, fuck off! Yeah, which, to cycle back to my theories on why this match is the way it is, is that they make a big deal about Hassan being undefeated, and The Undertaker is just a guy who doesn't lose too often to begin with, and they are in a match that theoretically both of them have to get pinned because neither one of them is going to win this match. They have, yeah. it's, it's very classic. Um, you have another storyline going on, so you're not going to win this tournament eliminator, whatever thing. Yeah. So how do we get them out of the match without either pinning either of them? Well, if we make it a tag match, there can be DQs. So we'll just let and count outs. So we'll just let them do that. Hell yeah. Brilliant. That that writer's room high fiving themselves. They um, they had an epiphany and they were like and they were absolutely happy with themselves about how no, but honestly it's one of those like it's one of those like good shit born on ingenuity things. Like I said, I kind of like the format of this match. Mm-hmm. It made things interesting. Yeah. Um, it kept a good flow and good tension. So Honestly, I'm kind of I'm kind of here for it. Um, but yeah, so the, back to the real shit. It's Benoit and JBL in uh, Booker T is the oh. Booker T oh. and, ben, ben, and Benoit have the long Booker sequence. Booker T and Benoit. Um, and it, it's absolutely at this point where where David points this out to, uh, to me, and so I will bring it up here. It is again a shame that Chris Benoit is actually good. God, like, yeah, no. He's absolutely one of the greatest technical wrestlers of his generation, perhaps ever, and it's unfortunate that he is a murderer. An and you can't, and it's hard to appreciate all of that. And it would be way nicer if, on top of being a murderer, he was shit. But yeah. he's not. Yeah, no, it's man. It sucks so hard to watch his shit because you you want to appreciate it, but you're just like, man, you're such an evil fucking person. Yep. Oh God. Anyway, yeah. JBL, JBL interferes himself, inter- interrupts himself here, and I'll be honest, I did not fully catch how this happened, but JBL gets the drop on Benoit and pins him to take Benoit out of the match. Yeah, so yeah, Benoit didn't make it. Yay! (laughs) The final three is now JBL, Booker, and Christian. Yes, and man, I was really hit. For the rest of this match, I was on a hard campaign of anyone but JBL. I'm I'm rooting for, literally when Booker showed up, I put in my notes, just Booker heart emoji. And I mean, I like Christian too. He's He's a fun dude. So I was like, man, Either of them, please God, there is a two thirds chance here. Uh, two thirds chance to win. Um, there's, uh, there's and unfortunately, your math and unfortunately, that math is as wrong as Steiner's was. Yeah, um, but yeah, because fucking JBL will not go down. There are so many, there's so many JB- near falls, and he just JBL takes every- all of Booker T's big moves. Yeah, and he still gets the fuck... Okay, why? Why in the world was this man allowed to be as fucking OP as he was? Because, bye, he was a wrestling god! <laughs> god fucking damn it is what I have to say about that. Yeah, so J- JBL, and Booker T, JBL, and Christian all kind of go back and forth on each other. They kind of yeah, establish... Uh, at one point, Christian at one gets point. established as the lesser evil... Where yeah. the crowd cheers him whenever he was fighting JBL, even though he is absolutely <laughs> a heel. 
True. They're like, True. fuck JBL yeah, more. JBL, though. man. Um, yeah, no, but, but yeah, so, so at one point though, JBL, I think it's JBL and Booker back in the center and, uh, Christian manages to tag himself in against JBL. And I'm like, no, wait, don't fucking tag in on JBL, you piece of shit. And then, uh, and then he, he gets in the ring and is able to catch Booker by surprise and, and tips Booker over and roll him up one and two and one, two, three Christian, you piece of shit. Uh, before Um, we go, I'm going to make a couple of notes that I mentioned here is a, a favorite moment of the match for me was when Jay Christian did that, did a sneak tag, uh, to tag out Booker T and JBL is stands there befuddled that the ref is telling him that Booker T isn't in the match anymore. And Christian just drop kicks him as he turns around. Very funny. Yeah, get, get JBL looked like an absolute nerd. idiot. Which, which, you know, he is. Yeah. So they, uh, JBL and Christian have a bit where JBL poke does an eye poke to yeah. Christian in front Didn't of the Did he do that ref. earlier? No, he does it to JBL, then he does it to Booker. He does it to Christian, then he does it to Booker T. Oh, shit. And then Christian, eye pokes, thumbs JBL right back in the eye. Yeah, uh, ref doesn't catch any of this, which, what the fuck? Yeah, so Booker T, he's making his big comeback to JBL. He hits all his big moves. JBL done kicks out. Oh, I think it's around this time that JBL has Booker T set up in a powerbomb spot. And he throws his arms up. And I'll be honest, I have not ever known what the fuck that was about. And I have figured it out. Uh, he put he is putting his arms in the positions to mirror longhorn horns because he yep. is a Texan. Yeah, no, it's so fucking goofy. And it is. Oh, you smarmy piece of shit. But yes. You know, Christian tags in. He rolls up Booker T because fuck you. And then Christian spends an obnoxious amount of time bragging about this. And it allows JBL to roll his way over into the corner, set up the clothesline from hell to -hmm. Christian. And then he pins Christian because fuck you. Three. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. So JBL is uh, he's celebrating, he's crying, he's champion again, and out comes Teddy Long, who who is carrying a, a belt-shaped bag. A belt-shaped bag, <laughs> which is so funny. Yeah, so... I love, I love, I love how it's not the belt. It's a, it is a belt-shaped bag, and, uh, and it's like, why the fuck do we feel the need to hide the belt inside this, but whatever. To, surpri- to fix the twist. Uh, to protect yes. the twist, you see, because... Uh, JBL comes out, uh, excuse me, Teddy Long comes out. He Teddy Long is the GM of of uh, of uh, SmackDown. I think I've, I don't think I've made that clear up to this point. Uh, but Teddy Long is out here and he tells JBL that he's got good news and he's got bad news. Uh, the bad news is is that he isn't SmackDown champion. He went through this whole bit for him to not be champion because. Uh, Teddy Long un- realized that with the draft lottery, that actually we don't need to crown a new champion here on SmackDown. And the good news for JBL is that he is the number one contender to this man, the world champion, Batista. Yes. Yeah. 
So they swapped champions in this year's draft. Absolutely by total wild. random happenstance, I by say. complete random craziness. But yeah, this but, is but also this is why in the front half I was very cautious to not mention the world heavyweight champion and who that was and why, because uh, I knew that this was going to happen. That that the uh, the draft in this episode was going to send Batista to SmackDown to be the world yeah. champion. No, uh, but again, this also this once again raises my question of when the fuck they found out about like these draft decisions because uh, while it was great to see JBL's dreams get crushed right there, that Very whole forty-minute match was for absolutely fucking nothing. Why? That what? Why did I mean again? It, it became a contendership match, but why the fuck would you go forward with that when you have when it is going to end up having? Fuck all to do with what you originally promised as the goal or as the as the reward here. What the LOL, fuck? get bait and switch, nerds. Bait. This one, is what again. this is what that that championship feeling is in the air. And yeah. it says fuck you. The champ the championship feeling got Teddy Long all man, you know it'd be a really funny idea. Is if I had him fight the whole match and then Batista came in anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Batista, he comes out, he does his pyro. Yeah, yeah. I walk for miles inside this pit of danger. And God. then he comes out in his suit. He's got the world title. He's all bandaged up in the head because as, as they say on commentary, uh, Raw had a pay-per-view like, that past Sunday, when he fought Triple H in a Hell in a Cell match and beat him, so yeah. he's uh, he's still kind of banged up from that. But he, Good the world life. champion, is on SmackDown. He yeah, and JBL is his number one contender. That's what JBL gets for winning the forty-minute match. That is hysterical. Fuck you, JBL. I hope you lose to Batista. I hope you get fed to Batista like a. Bitch. Well, don't you worry. Is that that match is happening at SummerSlam 2005? Oh, so yeah. we will, in fact, get be getting to see uh, JBL versus Buddy. Oh my God! Why are we always at SummerSlam, Austin? Because it's a great pay per view that is easy that is less time consuming than WrestleMania. You know what? That's fair. I just find it very funny that we keep fucking doing storylines that 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 have shit at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. It's always goddamn SummerSlam up in here. Anyway, but, I, the match was a lot of fun. It, you know, no, it was super cool match to watch. And again, all those fucking uh, contenders were talented as hell. Even goddamn JBL, who I hate, and Chris Benoit was a fucking murderer. They're all insanely good in ring. And we absolutely never get, and we really never get to watch matches this long on this show. Yeah, seriously. WWE doesn't really care to do matches 40 minutes long very often. Yeah, Yeah, really. So it was a bit of a treat to get to see this. And again, it was a really good match. Um, They they cleared out the the riffraff. Of, yeah. uh, Undertaker and Hassan, real quick. Hey, I think Hassan deserved. I, I am, I am an unironic Muhammad Hassan fan now. I am an un, mm. uncritical support for Muhammad Hassan. I think he's fucking dope. He's a. He, I, I wish he could. I think he is as well. Too bad we will never see him again in this arc. Or ever in wrestling ever again. Waka waka, waka waka. 
but like the Booker Christian JBL sequence at the end of the sh- at the end of the match was really really good. Oh, it was super dope. I mm-hmm. I adored the hell out of that. I mean, again, yeah. the, the, the whole the whole thing was fun, but at the end when it got really like fast paced and technical, yeah, that was dope. And again, the tag structure to it did kind of add to some of the like tension of it all. Like you you I was sitting there going like 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 when when uh Christian tagged out JP, JBL for himself and I was like, "Oh shit, this is going to end with one of the two dudes I'm rooting for eliminated and then only like a 50-50 chance on whether or not a person I like is actually going to get the goddamn win." Mm-hmm. Like it had tension to it. Uh, that that kind of it, it it added unique flow to the proceedings. So I was kind of yeah. grateful. And so that wraps up this episode of the June of the June thirtieth, two thousand five SmackDown. Um, a wild, wild episode. It was. I uh, not a. I don't think a bad episode. I enjoyed no. a lot of the shit on it. Uh, even though I find still some of the like you know shit they got going on with you know like Muhammad Hassan and stuff kind of racist and and obnoxious but and we had the Mexicals who and unlike, the Mexicals that's and unlike all... Muhammad Hassan are going to be sticking around them's so. them's them's the breaks when you're dealing with with Vince McMahon in the 2000s or ever really at least um, it's not Kerwin White at least it's not f- fucking Katie Vick okay right Nothing, no, I'm de- nothing will ever feel as bad as Katie Vick. Nothing. Yep. Oh, God. So we wrap up this first part to Eddie and Ray's yes. final, final confrontation. Yes. And Eddie has gone completely insane and is yes. now targeting Ray's family because he knows a secret all because he's fucking pissy that Ray beat him in an exhibition match fuck you yep he's very petty like that it's it's fascinating to watch this story knowing what this twist actually is like I I don't I don't as to kind of say is is we've been pretty upfront about what storyline we're going to here and I think honestly like because David already knows how this where this goes, it feels unnecessary to like try to pretend we don't try to follow. I don't know if it would really work to try to follow the mystery as they put as the show, yeah, presents it because David already knows how this goes. Yeah, it's not like the Double Undertaker or Katie Vick, <laughs> where he didn't know and I knew. Yeah, and I was just yeah, and, and this is the one where I'm actually not gonna like hate the outcome either no i'm not gonna sit here and get like either just like really frustrated or deeply angry at at what this all comes to no uh so but we will have to see how this progresses with ray's uh family secret and how and what eddie will do to 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 expose this secret going forward indeed indeed uh but that is for that that is for for a future date for next time, uh, this next time we will be doing Lucha Underground, as yes. as we will once again be seeing the historic all night long match between yeah. Johnny Johnny Mundo, a good old Johnny Nitro, and yeah. Prince Puma, the Lucha Underground Championship. Fucking yeah, we love Boyle Heights, baby. Let's fucking go. Yep. 
Until then, uh, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir, my friends, my dear friends, thank you so much for once again joining us on yet another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. We are so delighted to have you here. We're turning listeners, viewers, what have you. You know the drill. Thank you so much for once again welcoming us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, whatever it is you you use to consume our content. We love having you here. Just please keep coming back. You know how how good it is here. Let's let's, let's have a good time. Uh, First time, listener, viewers, what have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think we are friendly to both noobs and knockouts alike. So whether you are brand new to the wild, wacky world of wrestling or you're a veteran of of all this shit that, that wrestling has to offer, either way, we hope you've had a great time here. We hope you feel welcome here. We hope this all feels nice and fun and accessible to you and you want to keep coming back for more. If you'd like to continue to join us and you're not entirely sure how to do so, not to worry, my friends, I have you covered. First of all, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Ring that bell. Make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we drop a brand new episode. Uh, you know, give us that sweet, sweet engagement in the comments and the likes and the what have yous. Uh, check out our playlists as well. Um, Austin has been kind enough on our YouTube to organize all the arcs and storylines and eras and shit that we follow into their own separate playlist so you if you want to follow a specific thing all the way down you don't have to do a whole lot of jumping around it's super dope check that out and hey on our more recent episodes you can see our uh, beautiful lovely sexy faces and our awesome uh snazzy hud that we got going on and see all the you know little visual gags and shit that we hide in here just for the people that bother to take it you can, you can see my uh, great italian hand gestures and the the the, the longhorns and shit it's a it's a it's a whole thing you know come come check it out if you're intrigued uh but of course for the audio only uh, listeners, we have you covered as well. You can find us on three of the best places to find your podcast, which are Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Check us out over there. Give us those downloads and reviews and ratings. And, you know, if you enjoy us, consider leaving a nice review, good five-star rate, and let people know, hey, these guys are pretty cool. Uh, we appreciate it immensely. Past that, of course, are kind of our three main ways you can be in contact with us. First of all is our Twitter. You can find us at Noobs and Knox Pod on Twitter. That's Noobs, the letter N, Knox Pod on Twitter. Come check us out there. You know, we do all of the the, the, the memes and the discourse and yada, yada, yada. Uh, we post every single time we drop a brand new episode so you guys know what the hell's going on. And, of course, the highlight of our Twitter is weekly wrestling live tweeting. My friend, what is on the dock coming up? Right, every Wednesday night on TBS, 8 p.m. Eastern is AEW Dynamite. Dynamite. Boom, boom. Uh, Both both me and David regularly watch that live, so usually one of us is live tweeting that show. In in addition, keep track of AEW, WWE, and Impact Wrestling pay-per-views. On May 29th, is AEW Double or Nothing in their three-year anniversary show uh oh we already have a few masses already on the card on the pre-show will be hook and Danhausen versus tony niece and smart mark sterling uh, uh how could i even explain that 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 match right there is oh. to be seen to be believed i think all four of Sexy. them True. The men's Owen Hart Memorial Cup for both the and the women's Owen Hart Memorial Cup tournament finals. Thunder Rosa versus Serena D for the women's world championship. And of course, Hangman Adam Page versus CM Punk for the AEW world title. It's going to be sweet. Then on June 5th is WWE Hell in a Cell, Heck in a Sec, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so far, we have a couple of matches already on the docket. 
first Bianca Belair will take on either Asuka or Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. That's going to be fucking sweet no matter what. Yes. And then in a Hell in a Cell match will be Adrenaline in our souls. Cody something, Rhodes. Something Cody Rhodes. And Seth Rollins round three. This time it's personal <laughs> in Hell in a Cell. And then on June 19th is Impact Wrestling Slammiversary, their 20th anniversary show. It is actually 20, it will be 20 years to the day exactly of the first event promoted by Impact Wrestling. And they got a great match set up. We're, Josh Alexander versus Eric Young for the Impact World Championship. A Queen of the Mountain match for the Knockouts World title. And an Ultimate X match for the ult, for the Impact X Division Championship, where Ace Austin will be defending that belt. And, the re, and I use that as a transition to say is that right now is the New Japan Pro Wrestling's Best of the Super Juniors Tournament, where, where Ace Austin is participating. And I do not watch a lot of that tournament live as it airs on 4 a.m. Eastern time. But when able, I am going to try to watch at least a couple of shows live. Hopefully I can at least watch like the finals live. And if I am watching live, I may decide to tweet about that at four in the morning. If you would like my takes on uh, pre on um, uh, a on uh, preliminary tag matches. You absolute madman. All right, yeah, be sure to check all that out, guys. It's a great time over on the Twitter. Austin and I like to have fun over there. Or if you if you enjoy the podcast, you'll enjoy hanging out with us on the, on the Twitter. Our personalities are on full display and, and, you know, our respective levels of wrestling knowledge, all that good shit. Check us out, Noobs and Knox Pod on Twitter. There is also, of course, our email address. You can email us at noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com. That's noobs, the word and this time, knockoutspod at gmail.com. Come say hi to us there. Tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like, things you want to see more of, less of, uh, requests for any specific wrestling media or anything you want us to cover. Uh, tell us that you that you think our hot takes are great or that they're really fucking dumb. Uh, how much you like listening to our mellifluous tones come from our vocal cords week after week. All that good stuff. Just come say hi to us. We love to say hi back. Noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com. And of course, finally, there's our Patreon. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts Podcast on Patreon. One dollar a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out to the at the end of each episode. Shout out to our uh, friend of the show, Sugar Daddy Kyle Smith, uh, for uh, for being the uh, the first ever subscriber to the Noobs and Knockouts Podcast. We appreciate you, buddy. Enjoy your perks. If you want to enjoy perks along with Kyle, Donate to us at Noobs and Knockouts Podcast on Patreon. See y'all next time. Hasta luego.